Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Nine Decide podcast, where we chat with super amazing and inspirational people who pounded the pavement before and after their nine to fives to get their side hustles off the ground. After listening to the interviews, these amazing guests, you'll walk away with a refreshed pep in your step and a newfound motivation to make your side hustle a reality. Hey, everybody, and welcome to season two of the Nine to Side podcast. I'm Alexander Faust. And if you're new, welcome. If you're coming back, welcome back. If I told you how many times I recorded this intro, you would probably pass out. (laughs) It's like 500 times. I have not uh, done this in three months, which doesn't seem like a lot of time, but I feel like I've been under a rock for the summer. And by under a rock, I mean out in the sun with a cocktail in my hand for three months straight. So... Welcome back to season two. This podcast is all about, just a refresher for people who might be new, this podcast is all about talking to people who have side hustles um, alongside their full-time jobs, if it's a nine-to-five or they're a full-time parent, or people who have had a side hustle in the past that they have transitioned into a full-time career. So talking to them about their story, about how they made that leap. But basically, every person that I talk to on this podcast has insane worth work ethic, and um, it makes me feel tired and lazy just talking to them because it's incredible what they're able to accomplish in addition to, you know, their regular full-time day um, of work. So I think you're going to love season two. It's amazing. So for my first guest of season two, um, you guys might know him. His name is Brimstone. He's a professional wrestler, but he has so many more credits to his career. And I feel like he's the ultimate side hustler, which is why I think he is such a great guest, has so much to offer. And he's been described actually as a serial entertainment entrepreneur, which I think describes him perfectly after talking to him and listening to uh, his whole career, which spans over four decades. It includes, like I said, he's a professional wrestler, a radio host, professional podcaster, an actor, voiceover actor, author, musician, food critic, horror model, comic book, video game hero. I mean, he does everything. And like, it just goes on and on and on. And he was just listed as number two from Podcast Mag 40 Over 40's list of most influential podcasters in the world. Um, He's the president, CEO, and host of The Grindhouse Radio. He's such an incredible guy. His work ethic is insane. And so I felt like all the tips he offered and just the experience he's had over the last four decades of his career is so helpful and inspiring to hear. And so I hope you enjoy um, the interview as much as I enjoyed chatting with him. This is my interview with Brimstone. Thank you so much, Brimstone, for joining me. Your resume is extensive. You have so much going on. And so I think you're unique in terms of some of the guests that I have on that have a typical nine to five, maybe a corporate job. And then they're working on, you know, one side hustle that they're working on. So I'd love to back up and hear a little bit about you and how you got started, because it does sound like in your early career, when you were getting the wrestling going that you that did initially kind of start as a side hustle. And then from there, how the rest of your career kind of evolved. 
Well, first and foremost, I want to say finally Brimstone's made it to the night to side hustle here. We're, we're going to be we're going to be hanging out. What do you call it here today? Uh, so I appreciate you and I appreciate your time being Brimstone. I mean, I've been Brimstone again over 20 years. I have been in entertainment since I was little. I started out in entertainment on Sesame Street and Romper Room as a child actor, then toward the world of music, toward the world of pro wrestling and so forth. So funny enough, I mean, I started my first true uh well my first true side hustle was when i was a kid and i would go around shoveling uh you know driveways and so forth so in high school one of my friends his girlfriend at the time her father was a doctor and he had said to me he goes look at what i'm doing here i'm I'm getting these gloves i have to do all the ordering for him but they also have condoms we should go in on a lot and i said all right well how much are we talking here so it was only a couple hundred bucks for like a billion condoms so i was like You've got latex condoms. You've got latex gloves. Can you get the masks, too? He said, yeah, I can get the masks. Why don't we put together a little thing? And we called it Dr. Peckerhead's Let's Play Dr. Sex Kit. And we put it out into market. I went door to door as a teenager um, selling these Dr. Peckerhead's Let's Play Dr. Sex Kits to you know Spencer's. I'm sure you're familiar with Spencer's. Yeah. And, oh, uh, I love Spencer's. Back Spencer. in the day, yeah. World Imports. And uh, I went into all the different adult shops. And I sold tons of these things and they became such a big deal for bachelorette parties and stuff. And you yes. did you do this after school? What grade what yeah. were you in in yeah. high school? I was in 11th and 12th grade. I started in 11th and then 12th grade was when it really got the ball rolling. And then my first year of college wound up happening. The only reason why we didn't continue and I had ideas is because my buddy went out up to school and his parents tossed all of the stuff that all our stock. So all of the stock that we had was thrown away. Um, they didn't think to ask me or ask him. And that was that. And uh, what do you call it? That was the end of the business, unfortunately, because I didn't have the contacts with Malaysia to do what, what needed to get done. And he stopped dating the girl. So it was done. Oh and my over gosh. With. That was my first true uh, side hustle entrepreneurial thing. Not long after that, like I said, I, I went to college and, and the music thing, I was making money just playing out and playing gigs. I was a drummer for many, many years. What was the name of your band? How did you, did you play music your whole life? I feel like you have so yeah. many chapters. I, you know, just, I usually glance over everything, but what do you call it? Um, I was in a bunch of different bands. Uh, the bigger ones were who's laughing now, Bugsy. And uh, one of them was image, which was a, an all instrumental band. And, uh, but who's laughing now and Bugsy with the two bigger ones. And, and you were getting you know, paid we did for a lot that. of stuff. Yeah. And you were making yeah. money. Well, we, so Yeah. You know, I was doing music and I was doing all the stuff there. And I was like, I don't need to finish school. I could go and do this, you know, but I really wasn't going. And I'm not a school guy. I'm a, you know, let, let's make it happen. And, you know, uh, I, I learn real life situations. Now, the, the, the thing here is, is I will always tell everybody and I've done it and I've speak in schools all over the country. I do kids days all over the country for pop culture conventions, you name it. And I always tell the kids always have a backup you always go to school finish school because i wish i had taken it a little more seriously and instead of skirt chasing went to class so i can't believe so you have okay so you did the spencers then you, you've got the music thing going on you're in college you decide to you don't need to finish college you're still doing music or you decided to break up with the the band that you were in you're in multiple bands at the same yeah. time and you no decide- they, they were consecutive i you know i went from one to the next and some with the same people but you know with with the people i was with i kind of got um there was a very big difference in opinion 
I'm not telling God I want to live in a van and van life and tour and a van, you know, and <laughs> no. Then at that point, when I decided I was getting out of music, I had a, a little one on the way. I was with my first wife at that point, and um, it just wasn't the it wasn't the right move for me. So I decided yeah. I'm going to split from these guys. And I was still playing, but I was at the time working for, because I'd always worked in sales. When I started growing in music, I kind of worked it together because they were always the big you know, music publications for the most part. So at that point, that's when I had made the decision to stop playing with these guys. And by chance, I wound up going to do a, uh, an event with one of the writers, Bill Jensen, uh, who I still will always give credit to to this day. Um, they knew I was a salesperson, but again, my side hustle, they knew I liked to, what do you call it? Uh, you know, uh, take photographs. I was a photographer on the side, nothing crazy, but my stuff had been published. So they were like, Hey, we're, we don't have any photographers in, uh, and Bill's going to do this thing on wrestling this weekend. Would you be interested in going and, you know, doing some photos for him and, and, you know, kind of tagging along and what do you call it? We'll, we'll pay you for it. I was like, sure. Why not? So. So I was like, all right, sure, let's go. So I went and uh, sure enough, what do you call it? We had a great time. A lot of the people that I met there wound up becoming good friends of mine years later. And Brett overheard and he said, listen, uh, you know, because Cheeky's like, you look like you could be a wrestler, you know, and I, I said, all right, well, let's talk and blah, blah, blah. And Brett overheard and gave me his email address and said, listen, if you're really trying to get into the business, um, you know, here's my email. You know, I'm happy to answer any questions for you. Once I started doing the wrestling thing, my first actual outdoor show I did in front of tens of thousands of people, which was insane. At that point, the wrestling was the side hustle. And then the corporate position was my day to day. And soon enough, once I did, you know, pay my dues and, and make my bones in the business in, in terms of wrestling, it swapped. And I started I was touring and I was doing wrestling stuff on the weekends. And then I started what do you call it saying, well, now the news day is my side hustle. And when I had to be away to wrestle, I preferred to be away as opposed to being in uh, in the bu the building. You know what I mean? In terms of, uh, you know, working the corporate job. I was just curious how during that transition time you made that work like, well, I mean, that side hustle is particularly time intensive. Obviously, I'm assuming oh, yeah. you're traveling. How did you mm -hmm. balance that during, you, you know, you're doing sales. So I'm assuming there's a little flexibility with location yeah. and where you're at. But were they very, were you open about pursuing this on the side? And did people know that this is obviously what you're working towards for your career? And that's ultimately where you kind of wanted to go. So <laughs> the Newsday people weren't thrilled about it because I was good. I, I you know, they brought, they bought me from the voice. What Instead, were you selling at Newsday? Just out of curiosity. So Newsday, I wound up doing preprint. You know, when I wound up leaving Newsday, I opened up my own pro wrestling school. And uh, and I wow. and that and that was the number one. And then the wrestling was, was well, Brimstone, me personally, as the brand was the number one. That's the business. And then the wrestling school was the side hustle. OK, that so you sense. branded Brimstone is always your wrestling name. Yeah. Just give me the time frame of how many years it took you to do the switch from Newsday being your full time gig. Like, what was that time period? I yeah. started wrestling in about 96 and around 99 is when I, uh, when I opened up the school or 2000s when I opened up the school and you left Newsday completely and that became your full time. Yeah. Okay. So you left in, yeah. so then the I left, I, I left a little bit before I opened the school. So since 99, you were doing, you were still doing the wrestling, the school, the, and then the school, and that became your 
your full-time, uh, your whole full-time career. The school then became my second business because Brimstone's the first business. The, the school was my second business. And then doing shows became a side hustle, doing anything out external from the school because it's every that's all extra because I was I was concentrating on building a business at that time. So gotcha. being so doing anything externally wound up becoming side hustle. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Because yeah. I want to talk about so the school is like training wrestlers to yeah. be on the circuit and then do people come just for fun to do that? Or are you really grooming? It's a training ground to put people onto the the professional wrestling circuit. Both. So um, I was very welcoming to a lot of different people um, who didn't have that opportunity, you know, and they needed a home. When did you retire? No. What year did you no. retire from wrestling fully? Um, I took a break. I stepped out of the spotlight. Oh my God. I can't remember what year. 2007, I went back into wrestling and I started to train the boys at one of my old one of my old students schools and i said you know what i need to get back into you know the business and get back into the public eye starting 2008 2009 i started doing the red carpets in manhattan again sort of getting my name back out it's a circulation and then i've been back ever since you know doing uh you know brimstone 24 7 let's talk about some of the other things and how they came about like the, the radio the Grindhouse Radio and your Hound Entertainment Group. Talk to me about some of sure. how those came about and what those are and some of your speaking your speaking gigs as well. Okay, so now everything fits and it's the next natural progression of everything. So and I'm a very big believer of next natural progression. So I uh, decided that, you know, I wanted to take the character out of the ring. And one of my first loves before drumming even was art. I used to love comic books. And uh, it all comes full circle as well. Oh, right. So right. what do you call it? Um, yeah. So I used to love reading and, and drawing and a lot of my, my characters, you know, like, like Spider-Man and the X-Men and blah, 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 blah. So these were my favorite characters. Then I said, I can take the Brimstone character. I was a gimmick guy. So all the character work that I did, I can now take wrap it into the character has nothing to do with wrestling. And uh, I'm going to build this thing out called Brimstone and the Border Hounds. And uh, what do you call it? It was. Uh, a comic book that we we came out with. I called up one of my friends, Marcello Carnavali, uh, who what he called was the screenwriter at the time, and he uh, he what he called and, and also wrestled with me. And we met up for the infamous cup of coffee that everybody's heard about. That was should have been about an hour. We were there for about three four hours. We wrote out the entire Bible for the comic book, for the the, the cartoon, the whole nine yards, and we launched it in Borders Books. We were the only independently owned and operated comic in board, Borders Books. We did a signing there. Uh, what do you cook? They only had Marvel, DC, Image, uh, which are the big brands, and right. we were we were independent. So, well, how do you get that? No, I was going to ask you how did so for for anybody that's listening. I mean, obviously, if you are a public figure like you are, you have a name. It's a little easier to do offshoots of things and get things going because yeah. you're not coming from nothing and walking into mm-hmm. a Borders or something. Tell me about the steps. Was it just calling somebody up that you knew at the bookstore and getting in? Was what was the process of like getting yourself in there for the signing? Or do you just have to call up because they know who you are as a public figure and they're excited to have your book in there? They don't really care if you're with a you know publisher. It depends. It depends. For the signing, we got in because I knew people at that specific borders. Mm-hmm. But for borders books, we were in it borders nationally. We were distributed into borders thousands of books. Essentially, we had to go through. I mean, I can't remember the name of the company. Maybe it was Lightning Source or something like that. 
And what they do is they distribute all the magazines and so forth to the, the different bookstores and you know whatever. So uh, first we did it for Borders. Borders was starting to close down, so I pulled from all the Borders, and then I put them in Barnes and Noble and B. Dalton's across the country. So wow. I was nationwide in in Barnes and Noble and B. Dalton, and we made history as being the first independently owned comic book company in every single one of these locations. And if I'm coming into an industry, I want to come into it, you know, with arms swinging. Basically, uh, when when we did it, the biggest issue Borders wasn't so bad because they didn't order willy nilly. But Barnes and Noble, when they ordered from us, they ordered like 10 books for each store. You got to do the numbers, the math, over 500 stores at the time. You know what I mean? It was upwards of, of six, seven hundred. So I don't remember. It was a lot of stores with 10, 10 books or at least for each. And they didn't all sell. You know what right. I mean? So the money that was laid out pays for all these books. But if they didn't sell, they'd rip the cover off and then toss the rest of the book. So it was the biggest waste of money because you'd never make the money back. Back. Yeah. For what it was. All it was was, again, to show that you're out there. And yeah, we sold. I mean, we sold a lot, but it wasn't anywhere near what you needed to, you know, because we we're not Marvel or DC. You know what I'm right. saying? So, so is Marvel it a revenue general? Was it something that you like now? Is it is it more of a passion project? It was a passion project because you can't make. I mean, it was a, it's not like a revenue generator for you oh, or is it now? It absolutely. No, it, it absolutely became a revenue generator when I pulled it out of all of those stores. And when I pulled it out of, yeah, when I pulled it out of Barnes and Noble and B. Dalton, it's just, you know, from the comic stores and doing the appearances at all the conventions. Yeah, we made the money back and, and okay. tenfold. You have to spend money and invest money in order to make money. And, you know, the bigger risk, the, the bigger the reward. And we got a lot of a lot of new fans from it. And, um, you know, so forget about just Brimstone fans. We got fans from the comic book world who had no idea who I was, which was great. When we really peaked is when I had met my late great buddy, Stan Lee, uh, and I became the celebrity spokesperson for his foundation for literacy and children. So that's when it really peaked because I was doing all these things for Stan and the foundation and so forth. And people really got to know who I was. In that industry, what's really funny is that we were just going to put out a comic book, yeah. and what he called, and then I was signing at a convention. Uh, I'll never forget. It was in Manhattan, and uh, I was first getting back into doing cons again. And what he called it, um, I was sitting with my friends, uh, Peter and Angie Mayhew. So Pete and and Angie were sitting next to me. They had a couple of kids' books that they were looking to get published. And Angie goes, she's looking at so She goes, you know, Brim. I really love the way that you guys are just doing everything and how you're getting everything out there. Do you think you'd be interested in maybe publishing our books too? I said, well, sure. Why not? And that's when we incorporated and it became Hound Comics Inc. So it was Hound Comics was the label, but it was indie. And then what do you call it? Hound Comics Inc. We became the publisher. So oh my gosh, I, did, I was yeah. going to ask how that came about. Yeah. So you publish now other people's, it's all comics, but you publish other people's. And books. Yeah, and books. comics, books, uh, kids' books. I feel like you're a perfect example of it, too, because I think you've, you know, you haven't rested on your laurels either on your name. No. And you've got the Grindhouse Radio, which I wanted to ask you about, too, which is another thing. Is that a revenue? Tell me a little bit about Grindhouse Radio um, and how that came about. So the comic books, again, what do you call it? you got the Brimstone and the Borderhounds comic that's out there now. OK, the Border Pups, which is a kid's book. Now, when I started going on tour again at the time, uh, my my uh, director of operations, Aton Wish. 
I said to him, I go, look, if I'm going back out on tour and I'm going to be on the road, I'm away from the family. We're going to be out there doing things. I said, I need to do more than just sitting on trains, planes and automobiles or sitting in hotel rooms. I said, I need to be out and about and see the cities that I'm going to. Maybe let's do a foodie thing. So what do you call it? We wound up doing a show called Food Hound Tidbits while on tour. We did that for uh, three seasons. It was at the time everybody was doing all the foodie stuff on all bits of social media. So we had a really nice following on there. We were doing really, really well. And what I would do is I would take the fans, the people that were watching from the convention floor to the, the what do you call it? The uh, uh, dinner tabletop. You know what I mean? And we'd go to you know, five star restaurants and mom pop hot dog shops. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And that became the side hustle. So even though I got paid at the conventions, I got per diems and so forth. We were we were eating for myself and my staff for free. So what do you call it? Because we were doing the content at these locations. So when you're talking about having a staff of between six and eight people that are constantly touring with you and they're out and about, do the math. Think about how much money I'm spending out to make sure people are taken care of. Right. So instead of doing that, I'm bartering my services for, for free what food. do you call it? For free food That's so, and drink. So yeah. what do you call it? So that saved me uh, thousands of dollars. So that being said, what do you call it um, now? Since I started doing the food hound thing, um, what's the next natural progression of the food show food products? Um, I've always been big into uh, foodie stuff, seasoning sauces, always wanted to do my own thing. So um, while I'm Are you a chef, touring, too, I feel like you have so many talents. I can't keep up. Cook, you're a chef, you're a an cook, artist, you're a wrestler, a cook. you're yeah. a cook. That being said, um, you know, my my big thing was I wanted to, you know, have sauce and seasoning. So while I was in Ohio, I wound up meeting uh, across the way uh, K. John's Fiery Foods. What would you think about maybe doing a couple of celebrity based products? So he'd like he's like, I'd love to do it. So Bumble and I went and we wound up coming out with our own sauce and seasoning line. So in so the, the names of my sauces and seasonings are like flavor behavior taste bud tango uh what do you call it grind house seasoning um you see where i'm going with yeah. this now in the comic books there's a bar in the wasteland that brimstone and his crew of border hounds all hang out at as well as all the other border hound units i'm not going into what they're all about but so inside there you can see the guys and they're always eating you know sweet heat treat wings and their grind house burgers you see what i'm saying so it's all tied into the, what do you call it? The comic book is Absolutely. with the sauce and seasoning to the comics, to the wrestling. And what do you call it? Uh, and then you take it another uh, another step forward. And uh, what do you call it? The Grindhouse Radio. The Grindhouse Radio is because it's the house of grind. Grindhouse, Grindhouse seasoning, you know, and it goes straight back to me. So, so smart. So Grindhouse Radio, though, is huge. I mean, that it's on. I mean, in terms of listenership. So you launched that yeah. after this is probably your most. Is it your most recent endeavor? Grindhouse Radio, would you say? Somewhat. Um, so so Grindhouse Radio, we started in 2015. So we're seven years old. Originally, this was the side hustle. And Hound Comics, Hound Entertainment was along with the Brimstone uh, gimmick. What happened was Grindhouse took off so quick. We incorporated and just built it from there. So. Uh, Grindhouse right now does between three and a half, four million listeners weekly worldwide. We're on iHeart and over 30 other networks syndicated. Now, again, we were on iHeart before anybody could just go and try to get themselves on iHeart. 
iHeart came to us. Well, so, so wait, okay. So you launched this and then it, in terms of programming, this is a, this is like a podcast station. You have talked to me about the programming because for people that are listening, I mean, I have sure. a podcast, just an amateur little podcast that I started, but it's really interesting to hear how you took, I mean, how you have that many listeners, what, what that looks like. So you decided to launch it. Is it your name and the people, your connections and who you knew that kind of got it out there? Did you do a lot of advertising? Talk to me about that and the programming that goes into the station. First and foremost, I mean, I what was funny is I started I started Grindhouse at Hound Comics Corporate, what do you call it? Which I since closed down because everything became you know the Grindhouse Radio. Um, and what do you call it? it? Was funny because a couple of my interns from Hound, they both had the two of them had a lot of radio experience, and I said to them. I said, well, you know, I've been considering putting something together. I already own the URL. I own the IP. Would you be interested in seeing what happens? Because we had such great banter in the office. All right, this is it. So the Grindhouse Radio was born. Before we even put out the first episode, I had gotten from friends. You're talking about legends in the business of Stan Lee, Michelle Nichols, that gave me their clips. You know, hey, this is Stan Lee, and you're listening to the Grindhouse Radio. You know what I mean? Tell everybody you know, and, just so just so everybody knows who if people don't know who Stan Lee is, who is Stan Lee? He's one of the the he's the guy who created Spider-Man and, uh, you know, the Incredible Hulk and a ton of the other big, you know, Marvel characters. And he's the one that the old guy that you see in every one of the movies up until he passed away a couple wow. of years ago. I was on a ton of de- different networks. We got on a bunch of college networks, which obviously helps. Uh, we were on a bunch of AMFMs. We were on a bunch of there were so many different things we were on. And then what do you call it? We wound up doing getting the deal with iHeart, which was funny because one of the shows that I had been friendly with that I had been a guest on a, a ton of times, they at the time were on iHeart. They're the ones that introduced us and iHeart gave us the deal. What oh, year was it God. that you guys, because you've been around for it, you said this is, you started 2005 this. is when we started. So 2015, so probably two, 2016, it was about a year and change after we started the show. So it was early. early. It was before pandemic and everybody and their mother opened up yeah. a, a podcast no offense that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say well you were like you were a cutting edge podcast because yeah. it is it's such yeah. a, it's very saturated and i feel like you guys have an incredible following just in the spirit of side hustles and kind of bringing this all sort of full circle what would you consider now if someone were to ask you i mean you have so many offshoots is there a main portion of your business and then something that you consider like more of the side hustle part of it? Like, is there a main income portion that brings in the majority of the income and then, uh, you know, another part of your business that is just sort of a passion, like more of a passion um, side hustle of yours? As we speak right now, the Brimstone brand is still on the top. Um, That makes me the most money. And then all my little things that are attached to Brimstone. And then what do you call it? The Grindhouse Radio is the second moneymaker. We're a corporation. We do very well for ourselves. Uh, we deal with all corporate sponsorships, uh, and that's how we make money. I know you'd asked that earlier. Yeah. So our our money, the way we make our money, is corporate sponsorships and and uh, advertising and so forth. So um, you know, we we pride ourselves on that, and we also do. Uh, we have a fully functional studio, so we do external stuff as well. So, and you know, we also do a lot of other things here, like podcast one hundred ones, podcast two hundred ones yada 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 and that's the grindhouse radio and since i sell also aside from owning a part of the company i get commissions and so forth because again i'm not lazy i work just like everybody else um you know 
People like to think that entertainment is all fun and games. Guess what, buddy? Not if you're doing it right. Um, yeah. You know, if you're doing it right, it's work and it's a lot of work and you're going to continue to do a lot of work. Um, you have no idea what my schedule looks like. So the, the fact is, is working, working, working. But um, the Grindhouse Radio and then everything after that becomes my side the hustle. Side hustle. And, okay. Yeah. And, and, the, and right now, like the voice work, I do a lot of voice work. Um, so that is making me a lot of money. Knock on wood. Thankfully, I'm, I'm blessed. You sure. have so much to offer just in terms of your journey and what you've done. In terms of like, you've already offered so many tips, I feel like along the way, but for somebody who's interested in getting into even like one of your side hustles or starting a podcast or writing a book of their own or any of these things that you kind of started, I I think it's your advice is even better, just general side hustle advice, like what to do. And you've offered that great piece of advice earlier on, but is there anything else you can say to people who are, you know, managing a full-time job, but want to kind of pursue a passion of theirs, whether it's a podcast or a book or starting a business, what would you say to those people? First of all, I want to say never give up. Even if you think that it's not working, as long as you're working and you're busting your hump, it will happen. I promise you it'll happen, but you've got to work for it. It's not going to come easy and it's not going to happen overnight. The fact of the matter is, is it takes a lot of effort, a lot of hard work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And when you're thinking that you're just about ready to give up, you got to keep going because that's when good things start to happen. You also have to get outside of your comfort zone. You know what I mean? If you think that something is that you're the best writer or the best artist or the best whatever it may be, but you're afraid to make phone calls, hook up with people, meet new people, uh, sell your product, sell yourself. All right. If you're afraid of the phone, it's never going to happen for you. You know, when it comes to business, you need to be able to pick up a phone and have a conversation. You have to be able to do this. When you and I got on, we've never spoken to each other before, but we're having a conversation. We go back and forth. You have to be able to do that. And if you don't feel comfortable, don't expect to ever go anywhere ever. I appreciate where how people are, oh, I'm recluse. Or, you know, oh, I have this anxiety. Guess what? Put on your big boy pants and your big girl pants and, you know, do whatever you have to do and you make it happen. It drives me nuts. You know what I mean? My wife is very, very high anxiety. You know what I mean? However, when when I had, you know, when I was doing, you know, Hound Comics and we had Hound Corporate, she worked with me. She worked and she was the receptionist and the office manager, you know, and she hates the picking up the phone. She hates talking to people. But guess what? She did. And she said, well, I got to do all this. Got to get this done and it's got to get done. So what do we do? I got to do it. She made all the phone calls. She did whatever she needed to do to get it done. You know yeah. what I mean? Pick up the phone. Stop being afraid of everything. It's not going to bite. The worst thing someone can say is no. I Who love cares? it. I love it. I think that's such solid advice. And I think you're a, a wealth of knowledge for a number of reasons. So I I, I love the advice of picking up the phone because I, I do think nothing can happen in, you know, if you, if you stay in your own world and you don't put yourself out there and you have to put yourself in uncomfortable positions in order to grow and in order to do things. You know what the, the most heat that I, I got when I was wrestling, you know, on the regular and you've got all these, the, the boys, some of these guys, you know, obviously the ones that weren't doing anything would, would always sit and be like, oh, you know, Mr. Self-promotion. All he does is promote and promote and self-promote. Well, guess what? If I'm not talking about myself. Who the hell else is going to talk about myself? You know what I mean? So you've got to be out there pushing yourself nonstop, you know, because, again, there are millions of people doing the same thing that you're doing. So what makes you different? What makes you pop? 
And, yep. um, you know, again, there's so many ways to skin a cat. I hate to put it that way, but it's true. You know what I mean? Find your way. Find something that is going to be inspirational, not only to your audience, but to yourself. That's going to make you want to continue to do things that are going to grow and, and blossom into something beautiful. A side hustle does not necessarily have to stay a side hustle. A side hustle can become something very, very big and something very, very beautiful, or it can stay as a small side hustle if that's what you prefer it to be. You know, it really depends on what you want, and it's all a matter of perspective. You know, my perspective is I want to build and build and build and build, so the things that are on the side will always come into the main stream. Well, I, I think that's so well said. And it leads me into my last question before I just, you know, ask you to tell people where to find you and your website and all that good stuff is where do you see what's your next big venture? What do you want to what do you want to do next? Where do you see your business going? My next thing that I'd really, really like to conquer is I want to continue growing in voice in the voice acting world uh, because I absolutely love that. And the other thing that I, I would really love to to be able to make a, a smash in is um, you know acting again. I want to get back in front of people on the big screen. I started there, and I'd like to be able to you know kind of go back to that spot and um, what do you call it? Just bigger and better. And um, we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? I, I, as long as you work for it, it'll happen. You know, it's just about learning how to juggle multiple things at multiple times. And yeah. um, I'm not bad at it. So no, you're great you know. at it. I have no doubt you will. I mean, I like I said when I. I can't wait to watch your career. And it's been such a pleasure, like an absolute pleasure meeting you, getting to hear about your Thank story you. and how you got to where you are today. So just tell everybody in closing, you know, kind of where they can find you, your website, all your, you know, different places where they can find you online. Sure, sure. What do you call it? Uh, the easiest place to find me is going to therealbrimstone.com. All anything you need to know about me is all on that website, you know, give or take some things here and there. But what do you call it? It's updated at least once a day. So you always have new content somewhere in there, uh, whether it's a new blog, a new uh, vlog, uh, a new podcast, a new this, a new that, a new product. There's always something there uh, that's new, uh, new pictures, new fan art. Something's there. You can also get all of my social media as well as my IMDb and all that on right there on the homepage and throughout the whole website. It's right on the top left hand side. But, you know, I'm very, very, very listen, social media. I am very involved in my Instagram at the real brimstone uh, It's verified. You know, it's me. Um, I'm happy to respond to anybody who reaches out. I love interaction. I love engagement. I will respond to everyone personally. It's not my wife. It's not my assistant. It's not one of my co co owners of, of grind. It's me. I do it. It's all yeah. me. Um, and, and what do you call it? Might take me a little bit of time to get back to you sometimes, but, um, for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty much on it. And, uh, and I appreciate, you know, the time that you spend there. And I really hope that you will, you know, give me an opportunity to entertain you. Well, you're incredible. And I, I thank you so much for giving you. me your time. I know how busy you are. You. So I am so appreciative of the time that you took to be on my show and tell us your story and give some tips on side hustles. Cause I think your, your experience and your advice is incredibly valuable. So thank you so Appreciate much. It. it was such a thank pleasure meeting you.